is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Let that roll out. Josh yeah. taking us back. Little bit of what? This is the Top Gun volleyball scene music. Little Kenny Loggins playing with the boys. This is what uh, they were playing out there while ever Leo was out there trying to challenge Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan to a volleyball game. Getting all spiked. Bam. Jean shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Pop the top off. Tie-dye. <laughs> Tie-dye. All that cool stuff. Welcome back to Moneyline on a Sunday morning. It's hour two. Taking you a little bit of flashback. You're out, someone out there just checked their radio right now. They came back a little late. They're like, what the hell happened to Moneyline? Why am I listening to Kenny Loggins? I like it. <laughs> not, so, how 80s is this? I mean. <laughs> it's, it's as 80s as it gets. Yes. Yes. I like it. Me too. I'm going to listen to this on the way home. 713-780-3776. Something that you should be listening to right now. When the name James Harden pops back up. Mm. I bet Andrew's got an opinion on that. And then you hear <laughs> NBA trade deadline is coming up. Uh-huh. And then you hear that. I mean, there's there's different angles to this because, and, and let me not get ahead of myself, there's reports are that the 76ers are expected to pursue hard in the, in the coming days. There's talk that there's been, there's already a little bit of talk on the table, but it's going to require maybe the tie-in of Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, maybe uh, Matisse Thybulle. One of uh, maybe maybe all those guys it's going to take, but how quickly things change, how quickly the sentiment has changed from a net team that was supposed to be the next coming. You saw that in their brief time, whenever they are on the court together, 13 and three this year when they finally are, but it's minimal games due to injury. And when they are on the court and now we're hearing that, The Nets don't like the way that the ball plays whenever he is in. Maybe it's a little more stagnant. Maybe the ball is held a little too long. Where have I heard that before? And they feel like whenever he's not in the game, the team has to change identities. But again, I say that loosely because it's been said on rumors, for example, the Athletic, their their report said that the other superstars had mentioned it. Kevin Durant's come to social media now, I believe it was this morning or last night. I saw it this morning, and he said that he wants James on the team. He's more tired. It seems like the real vanilla stuff, like, man, we let's get, let's get ready for this playoff run. We all need to be on the same page. What do you think, Andrew? If you were a betting man right now, is this is this where we bet that Harden ends up on the 76ers, or this, is this all blasphemy? I, look, you guys saw how he played the last – Two weeks. We've seen this story before. When James Harden checks out, it takes a change for him to check back in. Now, I don't know if that changes him, you know, moving teams or something that has to happen within the Nets organization, but I, I think it's pretty clear that James Harden has checked out. You can say that he's not the same player he was, but James Harden only scoring four points in a game, that's blasphemous. Like that, like that just should not happen, period, with a guy as talented with the basketball in his hands as he is. So I would have to imagine some changes coming. And we've heard these whispers for about a couple of months. Like it was back in December when we really first started to hear, oh, maybe, you know, he's not as happy in Brooklyn. Maybe he's not as happy with everything that's going on. And I think the root of it all, if we're being honest with ourselves, is Kyrie. Like, when you've got a dude who's being paid as much as he is to be a crucial part of the team, who is playing half the team's games, I think anyone would get frustrated with it, too. The problem with James is 
he lets his frustration show in ways that NBA players probably shouldn't. Correct. And we've kind of had this smoke around Harden because he hasn't signed an extension, right? And everybody's wondering, like, why not? If you're happy there, why not? But how about this, Andrew? How would this strike you? Sam Amick of The Athletic. The Rockets, the source said, would be open to a Harden return. <laughs> Andrew, you going to wear your Harden jersey again if he comes back to Houston? Go over to Toyo and cheer him on? Look, I would wear the jersey again, but it's not something I particularly want or need right now. I mean, if we're talking like five or six years down the road, if he's like some veteran presence off the bench, if he would be willing to take that sort of role, then I would be open to it, absolutely. But where this team is and where this organization is right now, they don't need James Harden back in their life. And let's be honest, James Harden doesn't need the Rockets back in his life either. Like, this is just something that we don't, we don't need to go back on. The book's been closed. The last chapter's been written. Let's all move on from it. They can be open to it, cool, but don't let it happen. Seems a little desperate. It's like that old girlfriend. Yeah. You're like, man, that we had some good times. There was good times. And she would do stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's why you're like, man. Maybe. He does stuff. <laughs> he like, does I'll stuff. take him back. Yeah. But then at the same time, you say, can this relationship grow? Will he help us grow this relationship? Will he, in terms of basketball, help the other players grow where he's at right now, the basketball he plays right now? I don't think that the basketball, that the style of play that he puts out, which makes him, I mean, I'm not going to say unstoppable, but damn near unguardable. Let's say that. It was whatever he wanted to score, he could pretty much score every day. That didn't necessarily translate to wins in the playoffs, but he was a lethal scorer. Does that translate to the team, to the relationship growing? And I, I, I don't think it does. He said it perfect. Andrew said it perfect. The Rockets don't need him, and he don't need the Rockets. But if, the fact that they would put that out there, that they're open to him returning. I mean, what's he going to break out the fat suit again? And like, it, what does this guy have to do to burn a bridge? And it's like, he, yeah, he, you say it perfect. He burned the bridge. It's not like this relationship was left on good terms. Yeah. Now, you have 76ers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, over there. Like, he's building the evil empire. He's over there like Smithers. Just, excellent, excellent. You know, he's doing that number. He's about to get his ultimate wish. Whenever he first took over 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 at the 76ers, that position, first thing that came to mind was, man, he's going to try to get Harden. Mm -hmm. But then you figured Harden was happy. You figured that the Nets were going to have success. And it's been the opposite. Now, do the 76ers, you think, make sense with – Harden having an Embiid and big guy maybe back to a, where he can be where like you know a Capella type and but times ten a Capella better. Do you think that that makes sense for the 76ers? Are they contenders? Are they the favorite right off the top if they get Harden? I mean I don't think so. I we would have to see how they mesh because the last time that James Harden played with a big man who posts up as much as Embiid does, Dwight Howard was here in Houston. We all know how that went down. And look, Joel Embiid's probably the MVP front runner right now. He's having a phenomenal season. But for all of his credit and what he does, he doesn't really roll to the rim that much. I was reading an article on this actually just this morning, Jerry, and it was talking about how I think Embiid is more of a pick-and-pop guy. He's not really a pick-and-roll guy. He doesn't roll to the rim. Now, obviously, if James Harden comes in, Embiid would probably be willing to change stuff up because we all know James Harden is one of, if not the best pick-and-roll guy in the NBA. I mean, he makes mediocre centers look elite what would he do with a guy like Joel Embiid? I think that they would find a way to have it work out. But their skill sets don't necessarily mesh as well as you might think. I know that the classic NBA combo is you have a star guard and a star big man. But we haven't seen as much of that really recently. And I just think with a guy who doesn't move off ball like James Harden does, we know if he passes the ball off, 
He's staying wherever he is. He doesn't move. And you've got a guy like Joel Embiid who, you know, likes to operate out of the post. I don't know how that would mesh with James Harden's sort of off-ball style. I think they would find a way to make it work because, as we all know in the NBA, talent finds a way. But I, I don't think it would be a perfect matchup in Philly. But look, it's better than Ben Simmons giving them absolutely nothing and like going on Twitter rants out from L.A. or wherever it is that he might be. No, it's a great point. Does that make the 76ers better right now? Because they're doing, they're already a good team. And I think it comes on the back of one, Embiid. I mean, MVP front runner right now as far as betting uh, odds. And then also all the players that they have. And if you want to get hardened, you're going to have to tie a lot of those other guys. And, and that's where I think the team's going to take a step back. You'll take a step forward, but you might take two steps back because they got a good nucleus to that team right now, and it works for them. And it's right what you say, because it seems like Embiid doesn't play in that paint no more ever since he started getting a lot more injuries as well. He doesn't. He always gets those weird injuries, too. It'll be like a, a bruised knee or something because he, he bangs in a certain way. Now he's that. If he used Harden, you could see Harden beating the pick or, or using the pick and then pop it. And that's what Embiid would have to be. But ultimately... I'm not sure if it makes them right then and there better because they lose all those other players. And that's with anybody. Harden, you're going to have to pay up for him. Are you still paying the new car price of what the shiny car is whenever it comes off? Or are you paying, you know, someone that's been taken off the lot already? And he's been taken off the lot and ran around a couple times. You know what you're going to get with him. Are you going to have spectacular games? Yeah. Are you going to have games where you're going to blow the other team out? Yeah, and he's going to go up the are you going to have games where he checks out of plays? Are you going to have games where he doesn't get back? Are you going to have games where, I mean, what happens when him and Embiid don't get along? It's one thing when him not getting along with these Houston guys that can't bite back. It's him one thing with Durant, which they're all, you know, supposed to be cool. And let's see how long that lasts. What happens when he goes and bites on Embiid's team? Embiid's not going to be quiet. Embiid's going to talk. So what? Ha- it's just, it's a disaster waiting to happen, but this is what you get with a player like that. He got too bigger than the organizations he feels. Now over there, you're not happy with Durant and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, they might not be happy with him. Either way, it didn't work out. This is where we are. I'm just glad the Rockets got past that. I like. I don't care how good the Rockets are now. They're still they're a fun team to watch for me now. Like they they just they're fun to see progress. It's like the dog that you buy that you see grow. And then you become real, like, you know, attached to him. That's how it feels with this. Like, you know that they're just little, little puppies right now. But, you know, like, man, he's going to be a dog right there. He's got that dog in him. You know, you got Gary Bird out here. You got all these boys shooting. And you're like, okay, I can deal with this rather than one guy sitting around and this team's not growing. I don't want that. No, look, I get that point of view. But for me, this this version is a lot less watchable. You know, I, I, I don't, it is. I don't, tough. yeah, tough. I don't it's find them that fun to watch because they hardly ever, what do they win? Like once a month? Uh, it feels like that. And it feels good though. When they win though, it but does. it's going to be a process. We knew that this was going to be a process. That's, that's what you, that's what happens when you lose a player of the caliber of James Harden. Well, speaking of the process, is this good for the Rockets that these draft picks might be better if Harden leaves the nets and maybe they're not as good? I think the initial reaction you would have is, yeah, absolutely would be because you're watching this Nets team blow up. But let's say that it's a straight-up swap. I think for the 76ers, this is the best trade that they could possibly make. Straight-up swap. Ben Simmons, James Harden, throw another contract of like $2 million or so in there. So maybe a Paul Millsap or somebody else is you know, involved in that trade. Ben Simmons fits a lot of the things that you would need from a third option and his deficiencies as a player. If you've got Kyrie, assuming that he's bought in and he's back and you've got Kyrie and KD out there, 
All of those deficiencies that Ben Simmons has as a player, they're not really noticeable when you've got Kyrie and KD doing their thing on offense. And then Ben Simmons can do everything that he's good at. He can facilitate. He can run the floor in transition. He can lock down one through five. I think that if they get Ben Simmons and he plays to the player that we've seen him be in Philadelphia without really even fixing any of his flaws, it could end up working out pretty well for the Nets. And I think those picks probably won't be as good as like Houston fans might like. But look, the reality is as long as there's chaos and this is the NBA, we don't know what the hell a team is going to look like five years from now. That's just how the league works. I think that as long as there's chaos in Brooklyn, that's good for these picks. But personally... I would love to see James Harden, you know, stay at the trade deadline and then walk for nothing and free agency this next year. I think that's the best case scenario for Rockets fans. If they get some trade return for him, that Nets team is still going to be relatively competitive. If not better with Ben Simmons. I believe that. What if KD looks at Ben Simmons wrong and he starts crying? And and that, <laughs> we're going to have to see how mentally tough Ben Simmons really is because that's in question itself. Yeah. But he's not going to be required to shoot there. And be a, a big scorer, that's just not who he is. On on that Sixers team, he needed to be a little bit more of a scorer because they needed it. You don't need it when you got Kyrie and Durant. You don't, you just don't need him to be that. You need him to facilitate whenever one of them was off the floor, be that two guy, and do what he does. Ben Simmons is a good defender. He's got his good attributes. He's just what he's supposed to do, the basics of basketball, as far as the shooting and the scoring, you just don't get that out of him. But he if he doesn't have to be that, Maybe that's a spot. Maybe they're a better team without him. I don't know. But one thing I know is we got to go to break. So we only got 45 minutes left. And I know one thing Dr. Dre says is, so the stream lost 100 pervs. That's exactly (laughs) what we have. And now we only got a little 20 group of us. And there's no shirt taken off here. And there's a little bit of winners coming. We're going to talk this Houston-Cincy game. I'm going to give you this uh, uh, NCAA basketball game as well. You're listening to Moneyline ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5. We'll be right back after this break. Yeah, we got to go with something to eat, man. You know Hey, yo, man. It's taking over so long, son. Freaky, calm down. Let me come. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. What y'all know about that? Many men. On this day, February 6th, Many Men, that old album was dropped by 50 Cent. This day, February 6th, 1967, this is the infamous Ali, What's My Name? Ernie Terrell criticized Ali's refusal to enter the draft. If you know anything about Ali, he didn't want to go to war. So then he was going to fight Ernie Terrell. Ernie Terrell was calling him Cassius Clay instead of Muhammad Ali. This is this is the moment, this day, when Muhammad Ali became a villain because he could have knocked him out and he beat him for 15 rounds. And he kept yelling to the crowd, what's my name? What's my name? What's my name? Because the guy wouldn't name him by Muhammad Ali. He was saying Cassius Clay. And after that, the Madison Square Garden crowd booed him. He only fought one more time after that before he was suspended by boxing. And he knocked out Zora, uh, Zora Foley after that. And this day, February 6th, those two things happened. I just wanted to take you a little bit back of why Ali and all you Ali fans, you're familiar with what happened there because... This is when the guy didn't want to call him, and he Ali beat him to a pope. They said he could have knocked him out, but he let him stand, and he kept just peppering him, peppering him. And every time he would look at the crowd, what's my name? Little little throwback. Is mama call him Clay? 
I'm going to call them Clay. Yeah. <laughs> they think they're coming to America. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 713-780-3776. We bring you all the jams through a little throwback right there with Get Rich or Die Trying. And one of the best albums that uh, 50 ever released. Uh, I mean, I think I think that thing went diamond. 50 still living on that money from that album. And that's what we do here on Moneyline. We try to take you back. Hopefully, we've taken you back to many things. And one of the things that took you back this week was Hugh Jackson's name came up. When I saw Hugh Jackson, I said, hold on, wait just a second. What's going on here? Well, he's being tied to the Brian Flores situation. Actually, he tied himself into the situation. Now, the report is that Brian Flores says that Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 for each loss in the 2019 season. That's one. That's the season that they supposedly wanted. Now we're hearing that they really wanted Burrow, that they were going to offer three first-round picks. It was the tank for Tua campaign, but it was really churros for Burrows what they wanted. Now that's, that's what we're hearing. We're also hearing, though, that Hugh Jackson comes out and tags himself saying, yeah, that's about the going rate. Hold on, wait a second, Hugh Jackson. So now you start looking at what he did for the Browns, and he won one game in two seasons. Yeah, they got first first overall pick two years in a row, right? Now, all of a sudden, Hugh Jackson comes back to the table and says, no, that, I, mean, I, just, I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just, just kidding, because that's a federal crime. Now you're talking about game fixing. Now you're talking about game fixing, and that comes with mandatory jail sentences. Think about that. You cannot – this is a federal crime. You cannot be out here game fixing, throwing games. You can't do that. And if this is true, let's think about the Yankees, that sealed letter that we want to see come to fruition. The reason that that came out is because when the cheating allegations came out from that season, there was a group of fantasy players, you could call them gamblers, same thing. They came out and said, well, if there was cheating going on, the, the integrity of the game was compromised. And according to the law of us betting, mm-hmm. There can't be any compromised game. Like there can't be any any anything in there that says the game wasn't played out the way it was supposed to. That's the only reason that that Astro fan even knows that. Because they went to the Supreme Court. They're trying to get people thrown in jail. So let's take it to this. That's why Hugh Jackson backs up real quick. You saw uh Brown's uh owner Haslam, he comes down, he's like, Man, that never happened. Uh Hugh Jackson never took blame for anything that he ever did. He was always now, when did Hugh Jackson get fired? He ended up winning two games that year. So they're like, whoa, 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 this is too much. But at the same time, you saw the Browns ended up going, I believe they won five of the remaining games that year. So uh, it goes a little bit both ways. But do you think that Brian Flores is telling the truth? Because now we're hearing there's a witness. Mm-hmm. And now this is where it gets sketchy, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, especially if there really is a witness. And this article was on NFL.com, but was it was but yeah. Pro Football Talk, Florio did an article saying now it's mysteriously not on their website. Why? You know, I don't know. So I'm really curious what the deal is there. And then how does this affect the Texans? Like he's still a finalist to be the Texans' next head coach. I, I know that the common consensus is they're going to hire Josh McCown. At least that's what you know John McClain thinks, and a, a lot of people that cover the team, but. You know, we did a, a sports mat video with Lance Zerline the other day, and he was like, it could go the other way. This might incentivize the Texans to to hire Flores, make him even more hireable to to show that, hey, you know, 
we're going to hire you anyway, even though you're suing the league. It's, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I thought we were going to have an answer. Can you believe it's taking this long for all these coaches to get hired this year? I mean, it's incredible. Like you said, man, and it's come to my attention that maybe someone feels bad, feel sorry, but then you're also getting a damn good coach. Yeah. Like, he's a, he's a good coach. He, he, he over a good job. He yeah. overexceeds expectations. You saw the Saints take him in that very first day. Like, yeah, we'll take you in. Yeah. And they're taking whoever, any kind of black coach there. The enemy you want, you want to interview? Come on in. Leftwich, whoever, will interview you. Is that the way that a lot of these teams are going to take? One already saying, okay, he's a good coach, but this puts us on the forefront of feeling bad. Now you see Goodell come out, and, and some are saying it's a double-edged sword because that's not really what it means, but he's saying that they're going to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. But whenever the first reports, the NFL comes out, and their first statement, which they should have held it, was more on the lines of, we don't see any misdoings here. Like We don't see anything. It's That was shocking to me. They should have waited. But at the end of the day, man, this is a lot of – it's going to be a lot of he say, she said because you hear Elway come back and say, man, this is – he took it personal. Mm-hmm. He's saying, man, we had just come back from interviewing someone. There, Flores is trying to report that maybe there was a little bit of drunkness, a little bit of hung, a hangover, and they weren't taking it serious. Yep. That's he said, she said. Now the NFL is bringing out the small print. The, whenever you sign to be a coach, the arbitration – is between coach and team. So the NFL is like, hold on. <laughs> That's between y'all mm-hmm. if we're really getting into this. Let me throw in shots at the NFL and all these other John Doe's that you threw in there because they did. But does it end here? Do you think anything comes out of it? Do you think that – do you – if you had to bet right now, did Brian Flores put himself in a better position or in a worse position? Did, does he take a hit for this? It's going to make him – less hireable I would imagine and he said that he's like this might cost me care. my coaching career he's like but I feel like it's the right thing to do but talking about suing the league we've seen this before remember Tom Brady did it and he went through that first set of, of trials but eventually you, nobody has enough money to take on the NFL all these owners a bunch of them are billionaires you, nobody no one person can you know afford to take on that many billionaires in court it's just too expensive Two-part question here. Do you think Bill Belichick is dumb enough to mix up that text exchange? Or do you think he's evil enough to know that he can set fire to the world right now? Did he – Brian Flores, Brian Dable, do you think he just – Brian D, Brian F, is that's the way he just looks at it and he just missed – or do you think that there's something to this that he did this as a payback to the NFL for everything that they've done? This is a payback. This is a way to, like, fire one – how the hell does Bill Belichick have so much intel on the Giants' situation? I mean, he coached there. They still, they're still in contact. I mean, he won Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator. So he's still in contact with Giants' ownership. So I think that's part of it. But you asked, do I think he did it on purpose or whatever? No. My money is on the guy that's pushing 70, screwed up on his cell phone. You know, <laughs> that's way more likely to me. Than He's I- got like one of the old school phones. <laughs> where, <laughs> you remember like back in the day, those yeah. old school ones where it was like a blocklet, like the numbers were all blocks. He <laughs> yeah. has one of the, like the Zach Morris phone, for example. Yeah. When it's not lit, you see all the all the little bars where it lights up. So he's looking, he's like, Brian D or Dying F. So he just, he's like, oh yeah, I just sent it. Yep. It just seems so weird to me. And how did he know before Anyone else knew he knew, and that's what makes it. Does that make it look sketchy that he knew the result of what was coming before Flores even got an interview? They made the decision already. Does that look sketchy? It doesn't to me, and here's why: 
they probably contacted him to ask about Brian Dable. You know, let us know what kind of coach is he? What kind of guy is he? We're thinking about hiring him. So I think they probably reached out to Belichick. Just, you know, it's like anybody getting any job. They reach out to your former employers and, you know, ask what kind of person you are, what kind of job you did. I bet they reached out to Belichick. Hey, tell us about Brian Dayball. You know, what kind of coach is he? You know, that kind of thing. So, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, yeah, we think we're probably going to end up hiring, hiring him, Bill. You know, thanks for the insight. And could that have been gone? In, in life outside of sports, could it be that, yes, it was scheduled for Flores to come in, but they really wanted Dayball, right? So they So then whenever he came in, all he needed was to wow them just a little bit, just a little bit for them to say, yeah, that's our guy. But you still have to interview the rest of the candidates. Mm-hmm. You can't cancel those. That happens in life, everyday yeah. life. Sure. They make their choice. The first candidate's a knockout. Andrew comes in here. He's the best producer. They're like, you know what? That's who we're going with. And then here comes Jerry Bow and all of us. We're like, hey, I just want a shot. And they're like, nah, we're going with the young guy. Mm-hmm. We're going with the with the ladies, man. Sit down, Bo. Sit your old ass down. That could happen, though. The only thing that just is, is then all of a sudden you come along and you tell me, hey, Jerry, did you get the job? Or, or I heard you got the job, or, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and you kind of let me know that it's been known, and I haven't even had the interview yet. Then I, for sure, I feel a certain type of way. Like, is it his muscles? <laughs> what is it? Like, I got some too. Yep. Exactly. That's why it's 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 a shady situation, but at the, it's it's complex. I'm not sure it's something that's going to get fixed just for this little situation. It's going to be a lot of he said, she said. I don't think he ultimately wins the lawsuit as far as. Him saying, man, that they did this purposely racist. Maybe they settle some money, but the $100,000, that doesn't go under the rug because that's a federal crime. And at the least, least, I think that that's where we're going to end up uh, the investigations on game fixing and tanking. Yeah, that that's where it gets really dicey with the, the integrity of the game. You know, that that's a big deal. And, and Flores is, you know, he's had some rumors of being kind of difficult to deal with. He told Tua, according to Michael Lombardi, <laughs> he was like, man, if I knew you were going to be this bad, we would have drafted Mac Jones, I guess, instead of Jalen Waddle. You can't say I that. I know, but if he – and then – I uh, should have dated your sister. Yeah, and then he kind of walked it back, but I think there might be something to that. And I think there's something to the rest of the show. We have 30 minutes left. I have a little bit of hoops. I have a soccer play. Your boy's hot. Your boy is hot, 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 and we're going to drop the bomb here. Moneyline ESPN 97.5. Get, get, get low when the whistle goes. Wheel. Fun. Get, get low when the whistle goes. Sports. ESPN 97.5. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. I'm trying to tell you they can't touch this music on Moneyline. I'm trying to take you back. A little who's that peeping in my window. Nobody now. Welcome back to Moneyline. On ESPN 97.5713-780-3776. It's going down today. It's a Sunday. And Jerry Bowie, hey, your man's on fire. Go to my uh, site, webetats.com. I got to go ahead and drop a plug on there, webetats.com. And if you want to check me out during the week, if you like what you hear, if you like what you hear, go to webetats on YouTube, webetats on Twitch, every day at 1 o'clock. Go ahead and tune in, and I give you the same kind of 
The same kind of feeling I give you here, the same kind of bets, everything. I give it to you in a different form, though, because it's it's a midday show. It's unplugged and unfiltered, so I just let it rip. But welcome back to Moneyline here. My man Josh. We got my man Noah experiencing the, the board, the Moneyliner. So go ahead and get him in on here. Go ahead and throw in him, uh, throw him in on some prop bet questions, whatever that is. He's here joining us on a Sunday morning. Hey, shout out to Eva Hojo's in the house. Howdy to you as well. Aggie Milkman always asking where Josh's uh, Red Bull is. I got it today. He already drank that thing. He That's why he's just wired up right now. Now, Lamont, he says that if Miami were in the Super Bowl, the owner would be in for a 500K loss. <laughs> yeah, just it makes you wonder the world inside the world that we don't get to see because if this is going on, you know, you think he's the only one? Or now you're hearing that there was almost there's also this and there's tampering because there's a report that Flores dropped that said that Stephen Ross wanted him to meet with a predominant free agent quarterback in that 2009 right around that time. That's tampering because there wasn't time to be able to communicate with them. At which point he met Coach Stephen or uh, uh, owner Stephen Ross on a yacht. Once he gets to that yacht, Stephen Ross just throws it in there like, yeah, that quarterback's about to be here. That goes to tell you this world that we're living in, that's going on probably very often. We just don't hear about it because they don't run out of there like Flores did. Now, my question is, the report says Flores left out of there before the quarterback got there. Did he know? Like, did he see the quarterback? Did, could they fight that in court? Like, man, he's the quarterback never was. The, what quarterback is he talking about? I think it was Tom Brady. And it was for sure Tom Brady. It was a hunt. So then it was for sure Tom Brady. I'm glad that you say that because that's exactly what I thought. I'm thinking it was Tom Brady, and that goes ahead and gives you like think about like let's think about what we're talking about right here. That means Tom Brady was about to meet Ross on a private yacht to talk about what was going down. And he's living in Florida now. He he ended up joining a Florida team, Tampa. So that all kind of checks out. And then remember we heard that uh that, that report that Tom Brady said they're going to go with that mother bleeper. I think it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. About. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. I'm telling you, I'm right on the same page with you. I think that that's exactly what went down, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes a lot of sense, man, because the timeline. And then, and now you're hearing that there's a witness. That witness wanted to re- remain unnamed. And then not only did that witness come forward, now all of a sudden NFL.com took down that. Mm-hmm. report that report was made yep where there's smoke there's fire josh i wasn't born yesterday no where there's smoke there's fire it seems like some games were thrown here it seems like hugh jackson there was smoke there too he he figured out man if they go down i go down this is a federal crime he took the money that makes him involved that means he, he's just as guilty he's gonna get in time he said hold on wait just a second what am i doing to myself mm-hmm. let me back up out of here and that's what's going on here it's a dirty Dirty, dirty, dirty ass game. And it makes sense too with Brady and Dolphins. Don't you think he'd want to go in division and stick it to Belichick? Doesn't that sound like a Brady move? Like, I'm gonna go play you twice a year and kick your ass in, in division. That sounds like Tom. I think that's it ended yeah. up it it just sounds it makes too much sense. Tell me that we're lying. Like it makes too much sense. These reports are out there. They didn't just come out. Out of the out of the student, out of the plain sky, just oh yeah, let's just put this to here. No, there was a hundred thousand, and he said there was tampering going on, and that was that 2019 season. And then what was going on that season? Hmm. Yeah, 
Makes a lot of sense. And then now Brady. And then Brady said that about this mother effort. Mm -hmm. This is, I mean. uh, We're connecting the dots here. Yeah. Case closed. Yep. Case closed. Uh, What do we give them? Probation? Community service? Uh What are we going to give the Yankees if they land one Freddie Freeman? (laughs) I saw that. I closed it. You know, like whenever you might open up a suspect page. Mm-hmm. something you shouldn't be on, and you go to click on one of those pop-ups and then something else pops up, you just go to shut your computer. That's what I did. I can't. I just can't. No, but if they get him, then they're not getting him and Correa. You know, so that's at least the one. <laughs> We're thinking way too much alike. Lining. I yeah. said, you know what? Well, then if that saves a little bit, uh-huh. if you can't have him, I, if I can't have him, you can't either. That's what I'm thinking, like an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. If you can't, if I'm not going to have them, then just send them to somewhere small, somewhere that, that I'm not going to have to worry about them too much. The Yankees, I feel like this Yankees-Astros yeah. rivalry is just getting going, a rivalry that I, n- I never thought that there was going to be a, a time where you're going to say, man, Yankees-Astros rivalry. <laughs> Whether they know it, we got a rivalry with them. The, oh, they know it. <laughs> right? Like, they know it now. Yeah. Before, you would think rivalries is, you know, the Red Sox, and that you know, that's – Okay, we're not on the Red Sox level. Of course, that ta- that that's tradition and that's mm-hmm. historic. But we're on the radar. Like, Yankee fan, we don't like you. You don't like us. You don't like us. And let's leave it like that. And there's nothing else to say other than go ahead. I mean, anybody but Correa. Yeah, anybody but Correa. And, you know, we've been talking about the, the Brian Flores stuff. You know, Ken Hoffman wrote an article on, on Sports Map Houston that there's a very thin line between tanking and rebuilding, you know? Like, mm. the Astros got to where they are by being terrible for a few seasons, getting some good draft picks, taking Correa, Lance McCullers, you know, turning it into this monster. And, you know, you look at the Texans last year. They hired David Cully. That probably helped them lose a few extra games. You know what I mean? Like, there's a thin line between tanking and rebuilding. What's funny is, though, okay, if you look in the NBA landscape, you you see the term tanking a lot more often, and it's and it's not really frowned upon. You even had a 76ers organization that adopted the phrase, trust the process. The trust the process mm-hmm. was literally another way of saying, hey, we're going to suck right now, but trust us, we're going to get this right o- over time. They weren't frowned upon. You see that in NBA a lot more, and 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 if you really think about it, it makes more sense to tank in a in a sport like the NFL where you're guaranteed the first pick for yeah. tanking, rather to NBA whether you're hoping your chances are a lot higher. Yeah, but you're still hoping that that you, that you get that pick. It's I've never really thought about that till now that we talk about it. It makes more sense to tank in the NFL, but you it's frowned upon to even talk about it. But then in the NBA, when people talk about it, no one. I mean, the whole slogan was trust the process. Yeah. Goodness. And tank for Tua was a. Everybody said that. It was supposed to be a joke. Yeah. And then now that. What do you make of that? That you hear that the Dolphins really wanted Burrow and that they were going to throw out three first round picks for Burrow. Is. What is going on here? I don't, and they should have just taken Herbert. Or, you know what I mean? The year before. The whole thing, yeah. you just think about it like, then you missed on Herbert. Yeah. I mean, if they would have taken him in, instead of Tua, imagine where they could be right The now. Dolphins are a mess. What do you make out of this, Noah? Do, are you, uh, I'm not going to say either side or anything, because there's not really a side for, hers to be, uh, for us to pick, but do you think there's any truth to the $100,000 bribery? Uh, like y'all were saying, Hugh Jackson, um, you know, he, they – 
they brought up his name and he dipped out pretty quick. Um, I don't know. I think there probably is some of that going along, uh, going around in the NFL. Um, it's a really big deal that Brian Flores brought it up. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely some of that stuff going around, and it's just now coming to the surface just now. But, yeah, it's definitely a big deal for sure. Flores exposing the dark underground of the NFL when firing the wrong person goes bad. It's like a Chappelle show type stuff when mm-hmm. keeping it real goes wrong. And that could be both ways. It could have two meanings. When keeping it real goes wrong for Flores, you remember how those uh, that segment would end? When keeping it real went wrong, usually the person that kept it too real, they ended up getting themselves in some trouble. That could happen with Flores. Or when keeping it real goes wrong for whoever he uh, brought out to the light. Either way, someone out there I think is going to take that chance on Flores for two reasons, because I know he's a good coach. And then also maybe someone's going to be like, hey, this could put us on the forefront of that we, you know, that we're not like that. That's interesting because we saw what happened to Kaepernick. You know, he just got blackballed and that you were done. A quarterback that went to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, could we see the same type of treatment happen to Flores here? The NFL, man, they're the the evil dark empire. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't. You don't mess with the NFL. You said it earlier. If Tom Brady tried to go at the NFL, his and, pockets weren't deep enough. No, you no know? one's pockets. These are these are you're going up against billionaires. Thirty two, not millionaires. In that ballpark, yeah. like like millionaire money. That's cool. These are billionaires. Billionaires. Just look at the Washington Commanders organization and that ownership. <laughs> yeah, that's what a billionaire can do. That. There's been allegations of, of, of sexual harassment. There's ex-employees. There's ex-employees coming out and saying, yeah, he, there was sexual harassment, and this went on. And they still can't have found a way to bring them down. You got, the, you got investigations going on within that organiza- organization. That's what billionaire money does. So for you to bring something to billionaire court, ooh, you better have something. They were investigating the Washington football team, and that got John Gruden fired. You know what I mean? Like, nothing happened to Schneider, but it got Gruden fired. It's hilarious. Hopefully this last segment doesn't get us fired. I'm going to drop a pick on you right now before we go to break. It's Akron, Miami, Ohio. I think Akron on the money line is the best bet to make. I know it's a little juiced at minus 145, so go ahead and just bet a little bit smaller. Take the, the, the money line. You got an Akron team that averages 71 points per game against a team that averages 75, so it's pretty even that Miami, Ohio averages more. So why am I giving up the points? Because the defensive side of the ball, Akron is 32nd in the nation in defense. And if you look at a Miami, Miami, Ohio, they're 262, 207, 288 against the three. They allow uh, free throws at 262 rate. They're bad. None of their matrix or, or metrics are over 200 as far as the defensive side of the ball. Head-to-head in the last three games, Akron is 3-0 and against the spread and straight up against them, and two teams going in opposite directions. 7-3 and in the last 10 for Akron, 3-7 and for Miami, Ohio. Give me the hotter team, the team that's better rebounding, 29th in the nation, on the road. Give me Akron, Moneyline. This is, uh, <laughs> give me Akron on Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. <laughs> Stay up to date with the latest innovations hitting the city of Houston by visiting innovationmap.com or follow them on any of your social media platforms. Just search Innovation Map. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. 
Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money, Robert. Welcome into Moneyline. He wants to talk Super Bowl and future odds. The stage is yours, Robert. What's going on? Hey, fellas, I have a quick question. Um, I'm going to place a big bet for the Super Bowl, but I wanted your opinion. Do you keep in account that the future odds for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals was plus 8,000 to win the Super Bowl, and for the Rams it was only plus 2,500? So do you, do you put that into the betting? Like, okay, it makes sense to bet for the Rams because the odds were better for them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, would you keep that in, in, into account? No, I think that you reset. You reset everything right now, and you ask yourself, where has the line? Okay, what I try to make sense of this line, try to look back at the previous. So against the Chiefs, the Bengals were getting seven points. But then this week, they're only getting four against the Rams. That's how I look to look at previous lines. Not more of, man, where were they at the beginning of the season? Where has it changed week to week? Where did the over-exaggeration uh, happen? Why did the line change? If you're in the regular season, it's a little simpler because you, when the line opens the week before, you look at it and it's like minus six on a team. Say that team goes out there and blows somebody out. When that line opens up on Monday, whenever you go look at it, and now it's at seven, seven and a half. Why? Because you saw that team just beat up on somebody, and now the team they're playing this week got beat up. So, yeah, all of a sudden you see that little point and a half. So that's when I look. Week to week is what I look to see what is the line telling me. And what that line is telling me is that last week they were getting seven points against the Chiefs team, but then now they're only getting four, and it's pretty much the same thing on the road. Call it, and I'm not, even, I'm not saying that there's any kind of home field advantage for the Rams, but it's the pretty much same thing. So now they're telling me, according to this line, that – the Rams are, or the Chiefs are three better point, three points better than the Rams? Like, that's what you ask yourself. Ask yourself questions like that. And eventually you'll come to a point where you'll stop and you'll be like, man, I don't have the answer to that. And that's where you start your bet because you say, okay, I don't have – are the Chiefs better than the Rams? Three point better than the Rams on a neutral field? No. Never were you going to give the Rams three points better than the Chiefs. If the Rams and Chiefs played this week on a neutral field – you're going to give – it'd be Chiefs minus three? Never, never. And that's where you start your handicap. Look at it from week to week and say, what the hell changed? Did the books have it that wrong? Are they just getting it that wrong on the on the Bengals that the Bengals keep just over-exceeding projections? Where is it wrong? Was it because the Titans were off? And the Titans, you know, that, that time off and then getting Henry wasn't maybe the best thing for him. What was it? What was it? Where's the mistake? And once you find that mistake within the numbers – You'll find your answer, Robert. Thanks for calling in, and I hope that helps you some. No, I think you for broke sure, that down sure. really thanks, good. Man. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Appreciate the call, man. So that's interesting, right? Because things change. Every week things change. You get new information. You know, we didn't know Joe Burrow would look this good at the end of the year. He's coming off a torn ACL, and he's playing like this. Chase. It's incredible. Chase. Yeah. We didn't know that. We knew that you, you, you were – I guess the odds told you that the Rams were supposed to make a move once they got Stafford. The move, it dropped their odds in half. And you see the Rams being up and down team all year. Then they hit their spurt. And, and now and now they're cruising on. Now you're getting the Matt Stafford that you need to to make a Super Bowl run. It's just, it, this game's got so many angles to it because you keep asking yourself, are the books getting the Bengals number wrong over and over and that's why it's like this? Or are the are the books reading it wrong? Why did, why'd that number jump? Would the Chiefs be three-point favorites? 
on a neutral field against the Rams, I'm not sure if it's a whole full three points. That's a lot, man, three points. Then you go back to the Titans game where they got that line wrong. So you have to figure out where the mistake was made, where the over-exaggeration was, and then that's where you find your spot. Same thing with betting it. Like, when do you bet it? You said He said he's going to make himself a uh, a big bet. So if, he is, if his question was, do you go by the preseason odds, that, that leads me to believe that he's thinking of the Rams, yes. meaning, right, that he's thinking, man, the Rams are way better. They were, the, the, the Bengals ain't even supposed to be here. So if that's your thought, then you need to go ahead and do this two ways. I think as the as the as the week goes on more and you get public better, I think that line is gonna that four and a half four was probably the rest the best you were gonna get with the Rams. I don't think it's gonna I don't think you're gonna you're gonna get minus three and a half or or anything like that. So try to pick your spot. Try to think like try to think like the gambler thinks. Like the gambler that's getting to Vegas this week right now. Someone's got a, a flight booked to Vegas and they're landing Wednesday or Thursday. And whenever they get there, what is that person, the public better, going to do when he goes and he looks at that board and that, that beautiful board is all lit up? Is he going to say, man, ugh, Burrow's been doing his thing? Or is he going to say, man, this is the moment where the Rams are playing at home. He's going to look at Rams' home field advantage like that's a home field advantage that you put into the spread. And he's going to say, man, I'm going the story makes sense. I'm thinking that public better goes on the Burrow story right now and saying, man, these teams are pretty much even. Give me the points. That's where I think that public better lands. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am. But do you put anything into this? For me, I do a little bit. How good Joe Burrow was in the national championship game. You know, like big when game. The, the stage is the biggest. What do you have? Five touchdowns in that game. I mean, and not even terrific. just that. I just think he's just he's 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 got ice water in the veins, like they say. Uh, he's he's emotionless. You see him. He's calm. He believes he can go out there. He's the guy that it makes a pick and he'll erase that the very next throw. That's just who Burrow is. You could tell that that's how he's built. And then having Chase there, it just—it's big, man. It's big. They trust each other. They they feed off each other. And that's what something I'm curious of is Ramsey going to do what he did in the Tampa Bay game whenever he didn't. He waited to the end. You saw when Ramsey started trying to fight his own teammates because they're getting beat on that comeback. Everyone's feeling the comeback. He goes over there and he goes, "Man, let me take let me take Evans." And then Evans hits him on that bomb. That bomb. He, on he the had bomb. that on Ramsey. That, that Evans throws into the crowd like a bonehead again, and now they're searching to get that ball. Okay. Does they, do they take that route, or does Ramsey say, man, I'm going from the get-go, and I'm taking, I'm taking Chase? Because I don't think he wants that smoke. Chase is a smaller receiver that, that, that cuts. Ramsey's built bigger. That like You like Ramsey against the Mike Evans types. Like Higgins. Like Higgins. That's where you want. You don't want him out there with a guy that gets in and out of cuts. I don't think that's where you see Ramsey. It's all going to be on Ramsey, though, because he's so – it's his call whenever he goes to shadow. Whenever he says, I'm shadowing mm-hmm. the rest of this game, that's when he's going to shadow. The question is, I think they're going to wait to see how, how the pressure's getting there and how Joe Burrow deals with getting rid of the ball under that pressure. And I think that those Joe Mixon uh, props, those receiving props, come into play. Yeah, no, that, for sure. And that's kind of where I'm curious. Higgins has been really good for him through this playoff stretch because Chase does get all that attention. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle that. Before we get out of here... I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to the text line. I'm barely bringing it out now, but uh, shout-out to all you guys. Uh, that's Bucky the Winter Soldier from the Avengers movie. Sebastian Stan says, I listen to you guys every single weekend. Harden would be ripped from the Philly market from 281. Um, it's not likely, but how do you think the fan base will react to Flores and Deshaun coming here? Ah, we'll get into that next week. I just wanted to make sure I touch on all your texts because I see you same guys sending over and over. 
I want to say thank you. Thank you to Noah. I want to say thank you to Andrew. And I want to sign off like we always do. Make some money. Don't spend all your money on the uh, Pro Bowl. Save it for next week. Signing off like we always do. That's Josh Jordan. That's Andrew. That's Noah. And I'm just a little bit of this m- machine that tries to keep it rolling. I'm Jerry Bow at Jerry Bow Sports. We love you all. Peace. My name is Bob Lee, and you're listening to ESPN 97.5.